0: Shaddai was certainly a rabid Britishator. His association was primarily with the Qadar party, but his leanings and motivations and activities were entirely Islamist. And the reason he was patronized by Rome was consistent with the larger Axis strategy, Germany, Japan and Italy, all of them to create a wave of pan-Islamism and direct it against the imperial powers primarily represented by the British-American allied coalition. It was their stated policy since World War I in fact and Italy totally overdid it, holding itself out as the protector of Islam. Mussolini in his trip to Tripoli declared himself the sword of Islam, al-saif al-Islam. Tiwari and Shankar Sharan go on at length hyperventilating about these liaisons, but what does all this have to do with Subhash Bose? Tiwari mentions the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, Al Haj Amin Al Husseini, and the Fakir of Epi or Waziristan. The association with Bose is made only because these two were among six hundred guests invited to the Indian Independence Day celebration on January 16, nineteen forty-three. So what? Aren't Muslim guests from diplomatic circles invited to formal gatherings? They were German state guests at that time, just like Subhash Bose himself. There is no record of Bose ever having interacted with Husseini. Did Bose himself make an agreement with a single Muslim nation or the Palestinian movement? Bose had shared stage with scores of anti-colonial and anti-communist leaders at international conferences organized by the Germans as part of building a wide uh, front against the Allies known as anti-colonial international. They were exiled leaders from Central Asia, North Caucasus, Arab states, Baltic states, Maghreb which is North African countries, from the Falga Ural region, Chechnya, Poland, Ukraine, Bulgaria, Romania, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Finland, South Africa, Iraq, also Russian Muslim rebels, Afghans. Then Irish rebel leaders. Among them were the Arabs and Palestinians too. Bose never had any direct dealing with these. All of these nations had formed their own legions of independence fighters with German help. He names Palestine among 10 other nations in his speeches only in expressing general disgust at the British ploy of tevying up land and creating conflict. He does not express support for any particular nation. He was basically referring to the mischief in the covenant of the League of Nations and all the conflicts born out of the Treaty of Versailles. In fact, he shows remarkable perspicacity in the following words, Britain has in other parts of her empire, for instance in Ireland and Palestine, used the religious issue in order to divide the people. She has been utilizing in India for that same purpose not only this issue but other imperial weapons like the imperial princes, depressed classes, etc. The kind of supporting arguments uh, Tiwari uses, Bose wore an achkan suit in this function instead of a uniform or dhoti kurta, therefore he was appeasing Muslims. I mean, kaha se dhaga ki ke joda hai. Why would he be in a diplomatic function in a military uniform? His attire would be meant to show Indian identity and dhoti kurta is just not appropriate for such an occasion. Not to mention the freezing temperature in that time of the year in Berlin. Lal Badu Shastri nahi kai te Videsh, Sherwani mein. Aur dhoti se agar Hindu pride dikta to aap jaanso ke liye na ghandi ka jaanso hai thik hai. Tiwari claims that in Bose's speech, the mention of Indian Muslims and Hindus unanimously rejecting the idea of Pakistan is addressed specifically to appease pan Islamist leaders. That's crazy. How would Hindu Muslim unity in India please pan Islamists? It goes totally against their aims. Bose was fiercely opposed to pan Islamism all through. In fact, after discovering Shaddai's motives, Bose openly attacked him repeatedly in his radio broadcasts for his pan-Islamist leanings and support to the Muslim League. Shedai and Bose were by all means rivals in getting the support of Italians and the Germans for their cause and because of Shedai's hold in the Italian establishment and Italy's overt support uh, to the Islamists and also Subhash Bose's preference for the Germans, he could never build a cooperation with the Italians and neither could Shedai get the Germans here. Leave alone cooperate, they operated in completely different spheres. In fact Bose snatched the prerogative from Shedai and rescued the cause of Indian independence from being hijacked by Shedai's Islamist agenda. How this happened, we will see presently. The definite turnaround in German policy to steer clear of Islamist aims and concentrate on anti-colonial movements is recorded in the German Foreign Office Papers of November 1941. In a meeting attended by German and Italian representatives as well as Shirai, the Italians were made to agree on the following. Forming of Indian Legion will be carried out solely by Germany and to send all Indian POWs held by them to Germany. And not only that, in this meeting it was agreed by Italy that and I am quoting from the minutes of the German Foreign Office, it would not be useful to encourage either with propaganda or politically the Pakistan movement, Muslim League and Jinnah. Because the program of the Pakistan movement was only an additional factor in the artificial protraction of the disunity of India by the British. They also agreed for all political and propaganda purposes, India and Afghanistan will be treated as one. And the carpet was pulled from under Shedai's feet. This is that turnaround in policy that I talked about. And it was a direct result of Subhash Bose's firm and purposeful diplomacy. He was this far sighted about the Indian nation's actual destiny as a regional power and historical geographical sphere of influence. In this uh, first round Bose had been absent. Next day he got a brief uh, from the Germans about the first day's proceedings and uh, thereafter appeared in the meeting on the second day. The joint declaration of free India by the Axis powers was discussed in the second meeting and this was when the term Azad-Hind was uh, formalized. Remember is Azad-Hindustan is still nowhere in the scene. It was also agreed that the Indian troops would not be part of the war front in Libya. Why? Because Bose did not want Indians to have anything to do with the Islamist cause. So, the Germans not only agreed to set up the Indian Legion for Bose, they also got the Italians to agree to Bose's terms. All Indian POWs committed solely for Indian independence. The Germans also agreed not to use the Indian Legion on any other front to serve German war aims. It would be perhaps pertinent to mention certain comments made during Bose's meeting first and only with Hitler on May 26, 1942. Hitler outlined India's task in rather straightforward manner in a couple of points, saying Indians have to 1 eliminate British influence, 2 be wary of the Soviets, 3 try to come to an agreement with Japan in order to chalk out a strategy for the eastern frontier and lastly internal organization and reconstruction of India, maintaining unity at all costs, preventing the British from partitioning India and weakening it. Hitler was of course talking in the background of the cutting up of Germany after World War 1, but it is apparent that the Germans were fully cognizant of British mischief. And Bose's reply to this? tell his excellency that I have been in politics all my life and I don't need advice from any side. To his German associate as quoted by historian Johannes H. Foyt, he remarked that Hitler is the German version of the Fakir P.P., with whom it is practically impossible to discuss any matter logically even for a few minutes. He also addressed his objection on the racist ideas in Mein Kampf directly to Hitler in this meeting, not edgeways, but upfront as an agenda point. He had previously criticized Hitler and German racism openly and this had been brought to Hitler's notice before the meeting. The meeting was not really successful since Hitler was not at that time ready to commit to Bose's plans of opening a military front in South Asia. He did eventually, but uh, the meeting put Bose firmly on the course towards Paris. So Bose worked with a lot of people directly or indirectly, but he did not harbour illusions about any of them, neither the Fakir of Afipi, nor Al nor Muslims, and nor would he be pressured or forced to comply or compromise his aims with any of them, not even Hitler. if. One views the happenings at the international arena in that stage of history, it must be said that Indian leaders did have a limited perspective. Following the Versailles Treaty, there was a rising trend of a new paradigm of internationalism as it was termed in opposition to the British American internationalism or the Anglosphere. Today, we chafe about Indian society and values being judged against inapplicable external parameters. We talk in general terms of dharma being incompatible with what is broadly termed as western standards, these being the same as this British American internationalism. It is represented in international organizations like UN, dead yardsticks of human rights, equality, authoritarianism, etc. The Anglo-American model is what created conflict and poverty in third world countries. Yet it uh, presumes to be working for the world's benefit. It was these impositions that were challenged by the anti-colonial and anti-imperialistic worldwide movement in the 1930s and 1940s, which unfortunately Indian politicians were largely disconnected from both the international congress and those parties with a communal focus. Another international paradigm that existed was of course the communist uh, internationalism, but for obvious reasons and as both recognized, this was incompatible with the Indian ethos. Not that one could not uh, collaborate with it against imperialism, but it could not apply to India. and the. Axis also had an uneasy alliance with it, though not strictly against. Japan and Germany were at the head of this wave of alternative internationalism. The Axis powers have been delegitimized, not on account of their being in the wrong and the allies being the paragons of humanistic ideals, but simply because they lost. Else, Churchill was no less a genocidal maniac than Hitler. And I don't mean to be a Holocaust denier with this. But he did kill equal number of Bengalis, my own people as Jews in Germany. Hitler's explanation when Bose confronted him on his racist views in Mein Kampf is interesting. He said that he was including the German people among the dominated inferior people who had been enslaved because of their mindset and needed to rise and create a grander destiny for themselves by reimagining themselves as a superior people. We do the same when we talk about our own civilization, not reimagine but hark back to it. The essential difference being in the terms race and civilization. Hitler couldn't really talk of a 5000 year old civilization for obvious reasons, but Were the Anglo-Americans not racists? They saw the Caucasians as a dominant race against inferior, darker people. The Germans simply had a slightly different, somewhat more academic idea of race, even if flawed. Bose's lobbying with the German Foreign Office was effective enough to compel Hitler to explain himself, even if the explanation that he gave may have been more diplomatic than truthful. Contrary to what is portrayed by leftist liberal writers, Hitler did favorably consider the Indian interest and conveyed uh, Germany's clear stand on keeping India united against British machinations. He appreciated only too well the value of a united India, a greater India because he had seen what had caused Germany's diminution. He was acquainted with the Austrian separatist movement. And he eventually did take up Bose's plan of the Nazi forces' physical approach towards India. People like Raj Bihari and uh, Subhash Bose conceived an India that was world historical in outlook and influence. In this sense, Bose found Savarkar's worldview limited. This very call given by Savarkar to Hindus to join the British Indian Army. The idea was as I explained to have a Hindu community with military training and temper that could uh, correct the deficient proportion of Hindus in the army. But it also shows that he was already thinking in terms of uh, partition. Then this decision to contribute to the British war effort. It was bargaining for limited gains, a dominion status. Since the Indian army was operating in an Anglo-American paradigm. The men were simply palms. Remember, in return for this help, Indian leaders did not put any clear-cut condition before the British, that of total independence. They were just hoping that the British oblige in return for their help. They did not even insist on limits to the deployment of Indian army. Even when the British were pushed in a an narrow and disadvantageous negotiating space, they could have spoken against Indian soldiers being posted anywhere except in territorial uh, defense of India, like the Indian Independence League did. And Subhash Bose who extracted the promise from the Japanese and Germans respectively that Indian soldiers would not fight in any battle except the Indian frontier. The Germans by the way kept that promise till the end as also the Japanese largely. If one reads about the sufferings of these Indian soldiers, so many thousands died without even an opportunity to fight. Many died during transportation in the holds of ships as POWs, caged in unhygienic conditions, succumbed to disease and hunger. Officers as well as men. Bemoth When Bose met the POWs that Italy sent to Germany for the first time, they fell at his feet that we had not bargained for this. We wanted to fight for our country please get us out of here. And had the promise of being inducted in Indian Legion not been there, their fate would have been much worse. Bose chalked out a greater role for India, one that was not averse to alliances with western powers, but on our own terms, unlike the way Indians got pushed into the allied alliance due to lack of nerve of Indian leaders to negotiate aggressively. The same so-called anti-fascist ideals that they pledged themselves to, where did it leave India? In spite of being on the winning side, that of the allies, India ended up being carved up by the wily British. And what return has this condemnation of Japan and shedding tears for the Chinese nation brought us? The same China attacked you less than 15 years later and is eating you up bit by bit even now as we speak. This entire talk of decolonization that we have today is on account of this paradigm of internationalism which continued after World War II simply since they were triumphant. The reason we are still stuck in it is because the Indian leaders lack vision. Ye jo caste ke naam pe apne, apne hai, Hindu. log. Ab mein aapki baat ka jawab do, Tiwari ji. Aapne kaha tha na ki in spite of being deeply Hindu in personal practice, one can be anti Hindu just because Bose had opposed the Maa Zaba, iska javaab hai ki in spite of touting Hindutva, people can be anti-Hindu and anti-national in perpetuating the evangelist caste discourse, appeasement politics, creating factions among Hindus, being tame pawns of the global Christian empire as the great Hindutva party is doing right now. Those who virulently hate Islamism can also be anti-Hindu. Prime example is Ambedkar, who has been turned into a Hindu icon today? The Dalitists are no less vile in their hatred towards Hinduism. Then the reformist incorporation, Arya Samaj. They may have been virulently anti Islam, but they are against Hindu Dharm. Janeo for all, Dalits as priests, untouchables for Veds. Ye Vahi colonial ideas, Hindu Dharm nay. And even Savarkar was a proponent of this kind of reformism. The so-called Hindu Thuvadis keep fomenting regional animosity, attacking the icons of other regions without a discomfited conscience. I call these guys the Rajiv Dikshitin Club, which is the Vichar Dhara Ke Tiwari Ji Prateek. These Bengali vidweish National Anthem George V. Gawar Kanath was a smuggler, Ram Ramon was a stooge, Ravindranath Tagore was a Muslim convert. Now, Swami Vivekanand began to this Hindu unity on which the entire Hindutva ideology is premised, this is a myth which we all talk about, but we haven't seen any of them yet. Now, Bipin Chandrapal and Sharath Chandra Chatterjee are definitely talking about making our own Arabai, but you don't know anything about Bipin Chandrapal was not an ideologue disconnected uh, from reality. His views on Hinduism and nationalism and communalism were far more nuanced. He talked of liberal communalism, extreme communalism, reactive communalism and competitive communalism and distinguished uh, all these from nationalism. He did not advocate mindless aggression, jeopardizing the nation for short-sighted marginal aims, a constant state of communal contention like for example what Arya Samaj used to do, going and playing music before mosques which incidentally triggered the 1926 uh, Bengal riots to hindu what is the need of confrontational politics in a delicately poised communal situation and demographic equation Bose and chitranjandas were staunchly against western ideas of progress and regress and their framework of economic and social development. Both talked of ancient models of governance, village-level self-determination. Bose has been labelled as authoritarian by British writers, which Sitaram Goel happily buys. So, how conducive is Goel's view to the Hindu nation and Dharma? How is he any better than any leftist? Thankfully, Goel's diatribe in that uh, letter has been taken care of by Chandrachur Ghosh. So I will not have to go into it. It's a SIRF News article, Sitaram Goel trashed Netaji without studying Subhash Chandra Bose. I'd urge you all to read it. But it is amazing that Goel presumes to stand for Hindu India but repeats all the liberal, uh, socialist, leftist and imperialist claptrap against Both. But one quote from Bose, there is much in his, Hitler's organization worth studying, but as far as his principles are concerned, I do not see how they can appeal to India. On the economic side, he is more or less in the hands of big capitalists and politically he is pro-British. So Bose was very much aware of this. My general attitude towards European politics is that we should study closely all the latest developments, but at the same time I firmly believe that India should evolve her own system in the light of her tradition and national requirements. I will earnestly I earnestly deplore the tendency to reproduce in India the fascist and communist systems blindly. This should put paid to Sitaram Goel's ridiculous governments on both. Actually, Goel is the one naïve, not Bose. Bose was not taken in even by those who helped him in the Nazi regime like Adam von Trot, Wilhelm Kepler and Franz Furtwängler who had hoped that Bose would be amenable to their liberal world view but were disappointed by his skepticism. Bose did not need to profess Hindutva. He was committed to bringing his nation to the greatest heights. Through the light of her own loftiest spiritual traditions and experience.